my thoughts on Florida State's recruiting class before National Signing Day. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. Thank you for coming in and checking us out. We are here each and every day that we can be here, live streams and everything else. Please come back again as soon as you can. Hit that like button, hit that notification bell, and become an everydayer. Truly enjoy doing this, so let's have some fun. This is my favorite area and the one I know best. We're going to talk some recruiting. First off, though, please make sure that you look at LinkedIn Jobs. This is our re recruiting sponsor for this show and across the Locked On Network. They've even got, got tools that help you write a profile on their app. It's easy to use. Check out LinkedIn Jobs. It is a fantastic app. All right. So today, this is simple, folks. I'm going to break down my own personal thoughts, just straightforward. It's going to be a short podcast about the Florida State class, where it's at, things that are going on in general, not just with the Knowles, but with other teams, because everything the way it's interconnected now, impacts Florida State, Mike Norvell, and his recruiting class. So let's talk about it from these main two perspectives. Number one, what Florida State has. And two, what do they need to do, not only this year, but moving forward, to get to the promised land of having as good a class as anybody in the country. So number one, what do I like about the 24 Seminoles recruiting class? It starts with Luke Crumhall, the quarterback out of Benedictine up in Savannah. You need quarterback play to win at any level. That's not any newsflash. Florida State is continuing to bring in good players. They got an Elite 11 quarterback last year. They're getting an Elite 11 quarterback this year. You keep doing that, things will get better. Year after year, you can sustain more hits to your roster, whether quarterback or otherwise, and you can continue to win. Number two, versatility. Man, this class has it across the board. You're talking about defensive linemen, offensive linemen, corners, safeties, running backs that can play different spots. Uh, let's take Makai Danzi, for example. He's the running back out of Florida High in Tallahassee, one of the fastest players in the nation. I've watched him play in practice. I've seen his film. I've seen him at the Under Armour camp. If you wanted to, technically, he, and he probably will end up playing running back for the Knowles. He can play safety. He can play corner. He can play receiver. He's a return man, and he's a good kid, too. Those kind of players in your program will help you put your best foot forward. Also, a kid like Cam out of Doherty High School up there in Albany. Cam Davis is another running back, but he's he's played safety. He's played slot. He will do whatever to help his squad win. He played quarterback for most of his career at Doherty because that's just what they needed him to do. He's a pretty good quarterback. The game I went to see him a couple years ago, he, he had a couple touchdown pass or uh, four touchdown passes just in the first half. When you have versatility, just like raw talent, you're going to go up. Another key factor here, Florida State, I don't, I don't know why it ended up being this way, but their, their recruiting class is great in general, but that DB class, I've talked about this many times on Locked On Seminoles. That's as good as it gets. I don't know why they just hit the home run this year because everybody wants DBs. It's a focal point. When I talk to college coaches on the recruiting trail, on the phone, you get messages on Twitter, whatever, DB is a lock, especially corner. They get questions. Hey, what'd you think of this kid? Does this kid have grades? Because he could he fit in in our program? Florida State has killed it. Now, 
Can they keep a couple of the players? I'll get to that in a second. That's the question because everybody's going to keep coming after them and we're not to signing day. But as of Sunday, when I'm recording this podcast, Florida State's DB class is number one in the nation. I do not doubt that. A final point in general about the class is just speed. If you think about Florida State historically, they have a lot of speed. Kids like BJ up there in Georgia don't get a lot of attention. He can go. The entire DB class can go. I'm not even going to get into that. Makai ran like a 46, 45, 99, something like that in the 400, one of the fastest guys in the country. When you're bringing in players like that, you look at like Florida State historically, even in the 2023 season, those big chunk yardage plays on offense, special teams, you know, Peter work kind of deal. That's what Florida State's known for. They're going to keep that tradition alive on offense, defense, and special teams. Very, very important. All right, now a little bit of rumor mill here. And this is not just Florida State. This is going to be all over the map. These are just random things to kind of give you a barometer of how much recruiting is changing because of the portal NIL, even in the last couple of weeks. I've said it before, but we're talking about numerous things that are changing. It's happened partially with Florida State directly. Let's address something that came up on the live stream that I had. I believe it was Saturday. It might have been Friday, but I think Saturday. Rodney Hill allegedly wanted 500K. I don't know if that's true or not. He was technically the third string running back, but he wanted 500K to come. There's no way that's going to happen. So your roster is going to change all the time when kids are, if, if kids make those kind of demands, I mean, there's no way they're going to do that. So you have to be ready at the drop of a hat to have a list. Next man up from the portal, possibly high school kid, possibly. And then don't forget about the junior college ranks. Florida State's had success with all of those in the last five years. There's no reason to think that they're not going to continue to look at that in a broad perspective, talking about Mike Norvell and his coaching staff. So again, NIL changes everything. Maybe a high school kid wants something you don't want to give. He's done. Maybe one of your guys, like Hill, apparently, again, I have no way to verify that. But if he wanted 500K, you're not going to do it. So he's gone. That leaves a hole on your roster. Do I take a high school kid if I'm Norvell? Do I go after somebody else? How do you address the needs of your roster? And sometimes it's out of the blue. Again, if you don't have a short list in, in all those areas to immediately turn to, you can get left out in the cold real quick. And the odd thing, yeah, it's just part of it. Like it was the fourth, I believe, that the portal opened. Well, signing day is on the 20th, this coming Wednesday. If a kid jumps in the portal on the 20th because he's mad about something or just wants to whatever, you got three days till signing day. So you need to have somebody in your office. And this is something that's started to happen. And by the end of next year, everybody will have one either a quote-unquote general manager, literally a general manager in the football office. This is going to be the next big topic that's going to drive coaches nuts, but it is what it is. Or somebody that's a portal guy, primarily kind of a general manager, titles will be different, that help the coach manage stuff and, quite frankly, get some of their power. They almost have to because it's too much already with what coaches are doing. I guarantee you there's going to be strife because ADs are going to want these people in the back office to help them make business decisions with NIL for the roster, make decisions about who to take and why. In other words, if you got one scholarship left, do we take the tight end or we take the defensive lineman? You need to have different people making decisions with that as it goes with NIL because they can do the analytics with it. We're going to get more data. It's not quite to that point, but you got to start somewhere. That is something that teams are doing now. Florida State could be the next one to make a step up. And maybe they got somebody, and I don't know about it, that's in the back office that's doing it, but not labeled. Anyway, NIL is changing everything because a lot of people are wanting stuff that's not going to happen. And this is not just a Florida State deal. I'm hearing this SEC, Big Ten, all over the place. 
there are demands that it's like, this is laughable. There's no way in hell you're going to get that. There's the door. So you're going to see the portal open and you might hear a story that, oh, I just wanted to change scenery. Baloney. A lot of times it's because kids wanted ridiculous NIL demands. Again, there's the door. Florida State is like anybody else. You have to be rational because even if you made one exception for a kid like that, that information will get back to the rest of the locker room. When it does, how does that go over? This kid got it. Why didn't any of us at this position or me, whatever it may be, you can cause a cancer situation just like that. You have to be able to balance your roster in NIL, and it is hard. Again, that's why I think general managers slash NIL specialists slash whatever you want to call it in the back office is going to be the norm moving forward. It, within minimum a year, at most two years, pretty much every Power 5 school will have one. If they don't, good luck. Somebody like Vanderbilt may not, but they, they don't really know how to run a football program up there anyway with how they treat their athletic department. Here's the key. Florida State is still in a better position than 98% of the schools. But you cannot miss on this. That's something to think about long-term. It's not as big a deal this year because everybody's kind of like caught off guard. Again, Florida State's having problems with it and everybody else with these NIL demands. Starting this next class, the 25 recruiting class, you need to already have this stuff kind of ironed out. It's something we'll talk about probably a ton between now and the beginning of fall camp in August because – uh, NIL has went to the point where it's just, again, it's comical. It's laughable. When we get into the specifics with guard, regards to players, I haven't heard anything on Jeremiah Smith. I'm not like, liking what I hear with KJ Bolden, but then I talk to somebody else and they think maybe Florida State. That's going to be a signing day deal on both. And those to me are the two main guys to think about. Um, as it relates to LJ McCray, that's similar. And I keep hearing, Auburn really likes their chances there. But my buddy that covers Florida, Brandon Olson, who I've done a show with on there on his show and brought it on here when we had the preview, he's heard good things, but right before that he didn't. Like Florida's, I don't trust their ability to figure out kids with NIL. Obviously their track record in the last year, year and a half is garbage when it comes to NIL. So I'm going to lean Auburn or Florida State. Those are the last couple schools that LJ was at. Miami's still trying to get it, but I don't think that's realistic. They, they've got a really good D-line class, and they're probably not going to go and spend their money there. Florida State or Auburn is where I expect L.J. McCray. And it's just – I'm just saying it, if nothing else, because I'm kind of gun-shy with UF. I'm just being objective here. They've lost so many good players and had so many negatives with their coaching staff having a D-line coach that was, you know, sent off packing, et cetera. It's going to be hard to keep a five-star kid like L.J. McCray even though he's from Mainland High School, right down the road from Gainesville. He's maybe an hour, hour and 10 minutes. That's going to be hard. The last player with this in general is the surprise player. And you're asking, Brian, what does that mean? Well, it's pretty simple. Forever, as somebody that was a recruiting fan that went in the recruiting industry, podcast, whatever, it's just a norm. There's going to be either at least one guy that leaves or comes to your recruiting class on signing day. You're like, Wow, we didn't see that coming. Bobby Bowden used to talk about this. It used to freak him out right before signing day. This is hilarious. You know, Bobby was very, very candid. I don't know how the numbers are going to work out, but it seems, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it seems like after, after signing day, we you know, we do pretty good. Of course, they had a top five class every year, pretty much. And they had a whole bunch of number one, number two, number three classes from like 87 to, I don't know, probably around 2000. 
I can't imagine that Florida State's going to drop too much in this recruiting class. But if the NIL regards, I haven't heard a whole lot on, on the high school side go wrong, they could lose somebody there too. Do not be surprised by anything that you see in terms of whether the kid does or does not sign with Florida State or any other school that you read a blurb about, see something on Twitter, etc. The only thing I will say there is don't believe the reason why. We're never going to get the full backstory on these, and that sucks. But you're either you're in that meeting room or you're not, or you're on that phone call or you're not. In the last three to four days, I have been taken back by how much I've heard about different numbers. And again, I keep bringing up Rodney Hill, but that's one Florida State fans can relate to. That that kind of stuff is is the norm. Like there are people talking about a million dollars, this, that, and the other for quarterbacks. That's one thing, but like there are certain positions. They just don't demand as much, whether it's a high school kid, a JUCO kid, a transfer, whatever. It is supply and demand. Cam Ward, if he wants to come to Florida State, yeah, he's going to get money. Why? He plays freaking quarterback. It's different. You can like it or dislike it. That's reality. you got to balance your roster with that, though. And if Florida State, let's say, gets Ward, how does that impact the Knowles and their locker room? I don't know how you balance that. And, again, it goes back to general manager. Uh, One last thing here. I think Georgia will end up with the number one class, but the, the quarterback from out West, his dad, who, uh, Rayola, who played at Nebraska, sounds like he's going to go to Nebraska. One of his family members is on staff there, just got a raise, shockingly. There's going to be some flips. There's going to be a lot of flips, just in general, on signing day. The Florida schools are going to be in the mix, as usual, the big three as much as anybody. And don't be surprised if UCF is, too. They're all active in recruiting. They're trying to keep as many of the Sunshine State players home but there's really, and quite honestly, no barometer for how many it will be. Think about it from a coach's perspective with signing day. You want to leave some holes, theoretically, for the portal. You're going to have a couple guys you're still chasing, and it doesn't close till January 2nd. So you're balancing December 20th high school day with that. So you got to be careful. Now, like Georgia and Bama, they don't mess much with the portal, just a few elite kids, and that's it. And Florida State, I think, is kind of going in that direction, although this year they need certainly more linebackers with the DJ Lundy situation. There's another one with the portal that's awkward. We'll be talking about that for quite a while, and, and Florida State has some linebacker concerns. But FSU, they probably are going to try to get more high school kids, I think, this year and really next year, start building their own kids. So how many other teams do that? Take South Carolina, for example. It's a school that Florida State recruits against quite a bit. They have some proximity. That program's been gutted again. They're losing some key players, quarterback, et cetera. How they go after kids at the end in high school or portal, one or both, impacts Florida State. Everything that one school gets, somebody else has got to find another hole to fill. I think it's going to be fascinating on sunny day. Again, if you take nothing else from this, do not be surprised about anything that Florida State gets in this recruiting class. Absolutely, unequivocally, do not be surprised because of NIL and the transfer portal and all this stuff coming together with, quite honestly, really poor regulations, if any at all, anything is possible. With that, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I will have a live stream on Monday and one again on Tuesday. Not sure on the times just yet. Probably going to shoot for something like 11 a.m. earlier in the day on Monday. We'll see. Uh, Got to figure it out. Tuesday is a little more wide open. It depends on who commits, who doesn't things of that nature. I'm going to try to do a rundown, take questions, et cetera. 
please once again, hit that like button, hit that notification bell, trying to grow this podcast as much as possible. And the best way to do that is the evergreen way of just asking people to share the word about Locked on Seminoles. I appreciate all of y'all. Please become an everydayer and do your best to get in here and check it out. Trying to have as much fun as we can about college football and the Knowles. It is a blast. So without further ado, y'all have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.